up, you guys? Back here with Fantasy Foreplay, bringing you back with the latest news to help you win your fantasy football. Thank you, everybody. Uh, that was uh, the spirit of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, just before we went on air, he did confirm Epstein did not hang himself. So we are back uh, for another episode of Fantasy Foreplay. Today with me, I have... The Juan and only, the Juan that got away, uh, the number one in my heart. Yeah, these are all fresh. I've never heard these ones before. The the wandered, um, the, <laughs> the wandered. Oh my god, the wandered. <laughs> the Juan Tang Clan. I need a. Uh, I need to definitely come up with a nickname. Yeah, Obi Juan Kenobi. <laughs> Obi Juan. Muhammad Ali. What a boy! I can't. I'm out. I'm out of these. Right. That was that was a rough one. That was a rough one. But that was the most original. I, I will know. say that. And then you're uh, tagged in. Oh yeah. What? You're tagged in now. Your turn. Bud wandered. Uh. <laughs> what? Why ever would you do that? Why ever do? We would never condone drinking alcohol on this uh, podcast here, would we? No, we're Never. straight edge, uh, NFL loving, me, man. I'm a straight clean. God, I straight love that. Nothing says pure like the NFL. Yeah, pure. No drugs involved. Yeah. yeah. Nothing says pure like the KKK. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fantasy foreplay and, and all its affiliates does not condone the KKK. In any you know, way. it's actually, I'm going to be 100% honest. It's really nice knowing that uh, the only people that listen to this podcast already know I'm a piece of shit. So I'm not too concerned. So far, I'm staying on brand. Um, and I hope that everything that I put on this podcast doesn't come back to bite me in the ass at some point. In the future, but uh, is that why you're uh, is that why you're wearing that Confederate flag shirt? I'm just I'm honestly just a big Dukes of Hazard fan. I uh, love Leonard Skinner. Um, if it wasn't for Daisy Dukes, where would we be today? All right, so today you know we're what? covering we're covering the NFC East. Before we get a little too off track, um, Lionel's got the good team. I got the shitty teams, but that's pretty much. How we wanted to do this. I can't think of any. Has any news happened this week? Nothing big, right? Uh, like a couple just, of NBA players got Corona. And J- Jamal Williams might be traded, right? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Texans? I could see him going to the Texans, but y'all don't have trade trade capital anymore. You already gave away your best trade piece. Watson just needs to take a pay cut, and then we can go ahead and win that Super Bowl. No, no way. I actually think it's more likely. Brady did it. I think it's more likely he goes to the Cowboys. Yeah, I I really think um, he goes to the Cowboys. I don't know, though. I, I think it says a lot about the Jets. I mean, you, you draft a player in the first round, 
Why? Because you want him to just be a good player. Let alone Jamal Adams is arguably the best player at his position. A pro bowler. That's what you want when you draft a player. And then he does that. And then he'll fucking pay the guy. I think that's fucked up, man. Yeah, you got to pay the fucker. But uh, being the Cowboys of 49ers, I feel like that will be fucking good for them. Oh, 49ers would be scary. Richard Sherman. I don't know who has the the cap space to take them on, though, honestly. Because a lot of these teams are pretty tied up on cap space. I know the Broncos have a lot of cap space, but we already have great safeties, so we don't need that. No reason to, um, to go after that. Um, so Lionel, you want to kick us off with the Cowboys? Yeah, we them boys, we them boys, dog. I hear that shit all the fucking time. Every fucking where in Dallas, but it's expected. Starting to like it. Uh, starting off with the Jamal Adams trade. I mean, this could have a slightly negative uh, impact on the offense because, like you were saying, they probably don't. They don't have the cap space to just uh, pick up Jamal Adams, and so there are going to have there are going to have to give up some trade assets, including draft picks and maybe a potential offensive lineman or even a receiver. So maybe not too much of an impact fantasy wise for the rest of the players, uh, but Dak Prescott coming in first signed a one year franchise tender offer for thirty one point four million. Um, I actually believe he's the second best quarterback in terms of fantasy behind Lamar Jackson. Um, I know most people would probably have Mahomes, but I think if you have Dak Prescott as third or second, you would be okay with that. And uh, I know one of you were talking about this before, but there's a drop-off between quarterback points, uh, projected points, right before that. It is pretty significant. And uh, Dak Prescott is that cutoff between um, going from the top-tier quarterbacks to the next tier, if you want to say. Uh, and part the big... And a big reason for that is because they have some of the greatest offensive talent in the league um, start, uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, and then they uh, have Amari Cooper, and then they just added C.D. Lamb. They, they still have Michael Gallup, um, who's could be a potential trade asset in that uh, for that Jamal Adams. But overall, this is in, that's great. That's great players you're talking about, and Dak Prescott um, has a lot to prove. Uh, although he's going to get paid no matter what. Um, he he has this one year to go ahead and prove himself, um, including to the Cowboys organization, why he's worth that much money. And having C.D. Lamb there also brings in a lot of value for Dak Prescott because now they have this elite wide receiver core um, and with Ezekiel Elliott there, who's also great at pass catching and um, another top three talent when it comes to, to that respective position. So Dak Prescott uh, projected the, as third uh, best quarterback uh, and Ezekiel Elliott projected as the third best running back behind Saquon. Uh, again, this is another case where I feel that you're, you're okay with having Saquon or you're okay with having Zeke ahead of Saquon. Um, both these players provide a lot of value uh, fantasy-wise as a number one quarterback and number one running back. And Ezekiel Elliott... Uh, someone that I traded to Renee for last year and he had, he had a great year, a pr- pretty much solid production every single game. Someone that was really 
Mr. Reliable, basically, uh, throughout the season. I could always and, count uh, on him for 20 points. Always. Every week. Put it up. Yeah, and at times, he won't even put up the most explosive numbers, but he's always one of the ones that are most consistent when it comes to a top-tier run. Let me down. add this, though. Let me add this. That is 100% true. It was also the worst year of his career, statistically. Is that his bottom? Which means, um, is that the, is that the yeah. floor? Is that the floor? Is that yeah, how good Zeke floor, is? Though. That's fucking great. Yeah, that's fucking yeah. great. Um, so I, what, and, where, where uh, you're at the number two pick, who do you take uh, this year? Who do you take this year? Saquon or Zeke? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I, I'd probably go with Zeke. I'd probably go with Zeke. Although I know you're going to the Giants and it's because honestly, I do think Jones brings some value to Saquon this next I, year. So I'm not too sure on that. I, uh, with my number two, I would probably take Zeke over Saquon. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is one of those situations where my mind's telling me Zeke, (laughs) but my body, my body's telling me Saquon. That's what's up. because I believe Saquon's the better running back. He's ser- he is the more talented of the two backs. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, I think Saquon is the most talented running back talent-wise in the league. I don't think there's been a more versatile and talented running back in the NFL, perhaps since Barry Sanders. I think that's how good Saquon is. That having been said, uh, Zeke has the better offense. Not only does he have the better offense, he has the better defense. Good defense is good for running backs. That means more carries. Uh, He has a higher likelihood of having more involvement in the receiving game. His contract is, I mean, both of their contracts are secured. Um, You know, it's just, I, I really, I'm very high on the Cowboys offense productivity this year. And because of that, I think I would rather I would take Zeke with my second pick. Which I don't know why that's like ridiculous. Like nobody has Zeke at number two. It's like very clear cut. The number one is uh-huh. McCaffrey. Number two is Saquon. I disagree. Then it's like I know it's only one spot, but I don't know. Like nobody has Zeke there. And to me, it's like he has the better team and the better defense. Yeah, you can't lose either way. But I do agree that I'd probably prefer Zeke at that point. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Zeke is going to have another great year. If, and if that's a floor again, then who knows what fucking next year can hold. So going back to Dak, um, he's going at the end of the fifth round right now. That's his ADP. Uh, do you take him there? I say uh, once Mahomes goes, then you want to start looking into Dak. Um, so whenever that happens with our league, because from there, that's when the drop-off happens. And then from there, you could start waiting for quarterbacks that you think that are going to have good, decent production. But that's where I think the great production ends, starting with Dak Prescott from fantasy yeah. perspective. I mean, I just think he is 
another reason why I'm excited about this team is that um, Aaron Rodgers did a lot, and Dak Prescott is not Aaron Rodgers by far. He's not. Dak Prescott is more Kirk Cousins than he is Aaron Rodgers. Um, drafted in the fourth round, made it, is a usable talent, versatile. Um, but Rodgers had his best years with Mike McCarthy. With Mike McCarthy there, uh, he finished consistently as the number one quarterback for like years on end. It's like every year you knew Aaron Rodgers was going to be the number one quarterback. He still is that talented. Um, and Dak is not that talented. That having been said, I'm not saying he could turn him into the number one running quarterback, but uh, there's, he's going to have a lot of productivity with that offense. Especially like you were yeah. saying with the weapons that he has. Would I take him in the fifth? I don't know. I don't think so. Just cause I, but that's because I never go – that's too early for me for a quarterback. That's the only reason why. But he's a great player. Even looking at the division, I mean, it's a lot weaker than defensively uh, as opposed to uh, and the opposed to the teams that Mahomes is going to be playing. It's one of the Baltimore, the Patriots, Chargers, Broncos. Uh, I, mean, I think there's a lot more defensive pressure when it comes. Allow to me, allow me to remind you that two teams were vying for the playoff spot on the final game of the season in this division. And those teams were tied at seven and eight or something like that. Yes, exactly. Like, this is like the last couple of years. Like, it's not a very good division, especially with the bottom teams. Um, it, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to them. And you have them, so. <laughs> but – Going back to the receivers real quick, I think Amari Cooper poses the highest risk of who you would take in the draft. Uh, very, very – if if Zeke is the epitome of consistency, then Amari Cooper is the exact opposite. You're going to get really bad production a lot of the weeks. Um, after week 11, he had – he didn't have a game over 100 yards. Before that, he had a 200-yard game, 222 yards, and a couple of, of, of century, another century mark hits. But Amari Cooper is someone that isn't going to be someone I'm interested in drafting, especially when C.D. Lamb is there, especially when these backup uh, wide receivers are there, and you can get a good value at a later rounds. Uh, it's all dependent on Mike McCarthy and how he can run these three receiver sets. But – I'm like like you. I'm pretty sold on the Cowboys' offense, and I do see value even with these uh, backup, even with these backup receivers. I do see a lot of value there. Yeah, I I think uh, having these receivers there actually it does more for Dak than for any one of them. Uh, Amari Cooper, you know, like you said, he's he has the ability to to have a lot of productivity. He's also always been boomer bust um how much more consistent is that going to be now that you have michael gallup who almost had the same amount of targets as him last year um and his role is growing on the team then they draft cd lamb who uh is was uh by many considered the number one wide receiver in this draft and by many considered a generational talent um 
I think with him at number three, Blake Jarwin's role is going. I mean, the only thing that you can count on is that last year they did lose a lot of targets by losing Blake Jarwin. Or no, I'm sorry, by losing uh, Jason Garrett and by losing Randall Cobb. Jason, not Jason Garrett. <laughs> by losing Jason Witten and losing Yeah, Randall Jason. Cobb. When they lost Jason Witten and Randall Cobb, they lost a lot of targets. Believe it or not, both of them got pretty heavily targeted last year. So that opens up a little bit of the target share for a lot of the other players. Um, that having been said, this is a lot of, you know, very useful talent on this team. And uh, it's just hard to decide where the, where the targets are going to go. I kind of just want to take the value. Um, yeah. Which right now, if I was going to take any one of them, I, would, I think I would be most inclined to take Michael Gallup if he dropped a couple of rounds. If he dropped a couple of rounds and I can catch him at a value, I would take Michael Gallup because he's the one where I, he would be falling to me if he fell to me at the seventh or eighth round, which is optimistic, but it could happen. Um, then I do believe it could pay off. Like that's not that big a, that's not a, that big an investment. You know, Amari yeah. Cooper, if, he, if he's not what you think he's going to be, you're drafting him in the second round. You're, you're just, you're fucked. Can you get one back in or like is uh Can he's like what? texting me let me in. He's like texting me let me in. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> uh that's great. Uh you there, Juan? I'm back. You're back. We them boys. We them boys. <laughs> he's done the boys. We just finished we up. Them boys, bro. Yeah, we just finished up. Um, we them boys. I hate that so much. They say that with such arrogance. I hear yeah, it all the fucking time, bro. <laughs> it's the worst. Everyone hates the Cowboys. I love that um, Jello always sends those like random memes about the Cowboys just sucking. Yeah, and it's yeah. always like, yeah, with there. Like it could be anything. It could be anything. And some for some stupid reason, I'm gonna laugh and find it funny. You know, like. It's just like that sentiment that everyone else in the NFL unifies around. Fuck the Cowboys. I just, I love that they say it unironically, right? Like, it's such a funny thing to say yeah. ironically. We them Cowboys boys. fans mean it. We them boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh why God. do you want people to hate you that bad? Yeah, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. All right, what did you guys talk about? Mari Cooper? Hi. Yeah, fantasy value. What do you guys say? Uh, high risk, boomer bust. Uh, Probably the highest risk on that team. Yeah, I think because he's he's expensive in the draft right now. Top three. Top three rounds. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, like top, top three, three pick, top five pick. I would not. Fuck no, not top. Sorry, wider, I said top Zeke. Three wide receivers. Oh Sorry. Zeke. Oh, oh yeah. Zeke. yeah. We were arguing Zeke should be number two. Overall, over as, Saquon. As over Saquon. He Your has thoughts? the Saquon. Yeah, and yeah. our argument is this: he has the better offense, not just the better offense, but the better defense, the better offensive line, um, and he is. 
probably going to get more productivity in the passing game because Dak is willing to throw it to his running backs more than Daniel Jones is willing to throw it to his, as we saw last year. With all that considered, why isn't he the number two? My only argument, like that I think is somewhat legitimate in favor of Saquon would be that the Cowboys based on the contract they just gave him are incentivized to, you know, kind of hold him back and have longevity. Whereas Saquon, like you're, you're barely paying him anything so they can go ahead and let him loose and have him run every play if they want. From my understanding, wasn't that the opposite last year? They would pull him away from games because they're like, why are we, no, Why are we using were, him like this? They pulled, they pulled Saquon because he got injured. That's the only reason he had a bad season oh, last year. Yeah. When he got injured early on in the season, then he came back, but he came back early. So he was, you could see that he still wasn't back to his normal form. Over the last five games of the season, he was the number one running back over the last five games of the season. That's how good he is. Uh, I had Saquon in the playoffs. I didn't and, know that. And uh, he was the number one running back one of the weeks at 43 points. So he has that ability. He is, again, that, and that's the argument against what we were saying that earlier is, to me, Saquon, and I guess we'll move on to the Giants, if you don't mind. Uh, Saquon is, um, he is, to me, the best running back overall that I've seen on the field since Barry Sanders. Um, I, I, I seriously think that... Wow. Uh, he is of all uh, well-rounded. Like if you watch his highlights, it doesn't, the shit he does doesn't make sense. You can't be that big, have tree trunks for legs and move the way he does. It's incredible. That having been said, um, the offensive line is not as good. This is a more inept offense with an inexperienced quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I want him if I get the third overall pick. But if I have the number two pick, I would take Zeke over Saquon. Um, I do think Saquon's going to have a great year. I would love to have Saquon on my team. If I have the third pick, I'd be lucky to have Saquon drop to me. But it's not going to be an option. So because of that, I've kind of accepted I'm probably not going to have Saquon this year. Because if, if I get the third pick, Saquon will already be taken. If I get the second pick, I'm taking Zeke. So I'm probably yeah. Take one this year. But uh, that having been said, I think he's amazing. <laughs> Shout out to so, uh, Will um, Hernandez. <laughs> quick, wait, quick question. Um, if you have the first pick, are you taking McCaffrey over Saquon? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, several reasons for that. I think there's a very a, a lot of reasons why he is clearly – the number one running back without question forget what he did last year let's just look at situation and you have somebody that no uh, he like most running backs a running back that is like the workhorse for their team usually gets like 80 82 percent of the of the carries and workload 82 percent to lock that's like what zeke has that's what saquon has uh, that's what derrick henry has christian mccaffrey has 92 percent on a team that's constantly playing from behind. Wow. And he's arguably the number one receiving option on that team. All those things combined, there's no question that statistically, the productivity shows he has the highest opportunity to finish as the number one running back. 
barring injury. <clears throat> I mean, Lamar Jackson picked him. So Lamar Jackson picked, of course. Lamar Jackson's a smart man. You'd choose, you'd consider someone over <laughs> McCaffrey Juan? No, I, I wouldn't, but uh, I guess the way that Renee kind of said that based on his freakish ability, I, I just wondered if, if he would consider it. Because to me, McCaffrey's the clear number one without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, what there is someone that I am very interested to get on the Giants. Uh, it's not one of the wide receivers. The wide receiver core, I think uh, it's kind of a Russian roulette. And I think whichever one you pick, you're probably going to be shooting yourself on the foot. I'm going to avoid these players. However, any one of the three could turn out to be a value in the draft. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard has shown in spurts what he can do. Darius Slayton last year had some pretty great games with Daniel Jones. And uh, Golden Tate's done it in the past. You know, he's supposed to be the number one option on this team. But um, – and it's not Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's got – he's had too much injury concern at this point. I don't want to mess with that. And with the new coaching staff, I don't know even if he's going to be a focal point of this team. It's not Saquon. It's Daniel Jones. Because <laughs> nobody wants Daniel Jones. And so he's going to fall really late in the draft. Do I want him as my number one quarterback option? No. I'm not going to be able to rely on him. And additionally, he has arguably the hardest start to the season. His first three weeks are against Pittsburgh, at Chicago, 49ers. By week four, this motherfucker is going to be on the waivers. You don't even have to draft him. You're going to be able to pick him up. And last year, he had more number one finishes than Aaron Rodgers, than Phillip Rivers, than Carson Wentz. He, in 12 games, finished with the 10th most yards and 10th most touchdowns in rookie history and was on pace to, had he played a full season, finishes the number one rookie statistically of all time. Granted, he had 11 fumbles in 12 games. <laughs> it's Jameis Winston levels. But think about what Jameis Winston did for fantasy. You know, he was willing to chuck it. He was willing to – last year, um, it's pretty incredible what, what Daniel Jones was able to do. He finished as the quarterback 22, which is pretty horrible. But he, four times he finished in the top 10. Those four times he's finished number two overall twice, number one overall twice. The rest of the season he was absolute hot garbage. But he showed real potential in his first in his uh, rookie season. He's got a lot of talent around him. Three great number two wide receivers. None of them are ones, but they're all great twos. Um, he has Evan Ingram. He has Saquon. <laughs> and now he has Jason Garrett, who did a lot for the Cowboys offense, statistically speaking. Definitely not their record. They have accomplished absolutely nothing since the 90s. But um, the productivity was there. Uh, I, I do think that Daniel Jones could be a real sleeper. You could get him either really late in the draft or there's a good chance he doesn't get drafted at all. And even if he does get drafted, there's a good chance he gets dropped in the first three weeks. I think he's a real value. 
And I think he might be arguably the best value on this team. I'm going to take him with my first. That's what's up. Actually, <laughs> that that would be much better for me. I would do that. <laughs> do that. I love this. Fucking. So I'm, I'm sick of talking about the Giants. Um, that was it. Yeah, that's my rant. That was my rant. All right, so I'll go next. Uh, I guess, so I would say really quick. Uh, <laughs> what I guess, Danny, I, I like your argument for Daniel Jones, but you have to do it with tempered expectations, I feel like. Like, yeah. you know you're going to have a middling QB, which if you have a strong team, that's fine. Well, that's what, so that's the whole strategy, right? That's what I'm saying. You can pick him up later as a potential holdout option, right? And if, if something happens, you have him sitting on your bench, but you don't draft him. You don't. And if you do, you draft him really late. But what if you have him and, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger, who is also going really late? What if you have him and uh, maybe even a little bit higher, you can get Drew Brees in the 11th round. What if you have him and Drew Brees? Drew Brees is your guy. But if Daniel Jones pans out, <coughs> he's, he's an option. You know, that's, that's the value that I see in him. Would I rely on him to, as my quarterback? Fuck no, that'd be suicide. <laughs> he hasn't proven it yet. I, All right. I feel like uh, you two didn't have – did you guys utilize a backup, like a bench quarterback? I feel like you guys didn't. I know. I, I didn't because I had Russell Wilson. And if you have, that's the one thing is that like, if you have, we were talking about Dak Prescott earlier. If you have that option, if you have one of those top tier options, one of the top five at their position, at any position, you don't bench them. You don't ever bench them. Cause if you want those good games, you have to play them every week. You don't. So yeah. last year I had Russell Wilson. Uh, which really shot me in the foot because when, and that's one thing when you take those high end players, because you, you got them, you know, through whatever means and because you're tied into their productivity and their name and everything, you're not going to bench them. Right. So in that case, this year, I'm not taking that approach. I really don't want a, a name quarterback. Um, I want someone with consistency, like week to week consistency. And I also want to draft a really high upside guy. That's, that's uh, going to be my approach next year. And I have the quarterbacks that I'm targeting as far as consistency goes earlier, and I have the quarterbacks that I'm targeting as upside guys later. <clears throat> I will say one of the guys that I'm no, targeting. I did have two quarterbacks. You did have two quarterbacks? Yeah, I drafted Winston and Garoppolo. Oh, yeah. And... I I had the problem where I would play the wrong one every week. Like Winston, they would both go up against bad defenses and I would play Winston and he'd have three touchdowns and six interceptions, which you already know always is a risk. And um, Garoppolo, which I thought was like high upside type of thing. And I just played them the wrong week every time. Like no matter what I did, the better quarterback was on my bench. And I thought I was doing well, like playing the matchups. And after the like the first four weeks, I was like, "Screw this! I'd rather just ride with one quarterback and fail." Yeah. <laughs> like the agony of playing the wrong one was too much. I remember that with Jameis Winston. Yeah, but the, the thing there is that <laughs> you did have two. Like, that's the thing you don't want to have two quarterbacks like that that offer. Like, if you have someone 
like let's say you had Jameis Winston and then you also had like some upside guy um that maybe didn't pan out last year. I can't even think of any. But let's say you have some other upside guy that's not really a big name. Garoppolo was really having a lot of uh was showing a lot of potential. You don't play that switch up game. You still rely on the consistent guy until the other one has proven what he can do. Um and that's when you start playing him if it's better. But otherwise, fuck that. It's too risky to go with the lower name. And then you can get into that little negative feedback loop where you just start picking all the wrong weeks. You start chasing the dragon, you know? You're like, Jameis had a good week this week. I'm going to play him next week. Yep. Then Jameis sucks next week, and now Garoppolo's good. So you switch back to Garoppolo and so on and so forth. That having said, what are my targets this year for a consistent quarterback with upside who has value in the draft right now? I'll say Kyler Murray. No. The only thing is I won't get him. I won't get him because Rita's going to draft him earlier than he should go, and it might still pay out, is Carson Wentz. I'm not a big Carson Wentz believer, but he does have the big money, so, I mean. Why why don't you believe in Carson Wentz? I guess a lot of it has to do with injury history and the fact that the Eagles haven't been able to get to the playoffs, or they've gotten the playoffs but they don't have a good record despite having, I mean, a quarterback that you would expect to give them more wins than that. Um, I feel like they fail to produce every single, mostly every year other than the year they won the Super Bowl, of course, and even at that, that was Nick Foles. Um, but I'm not really sold on high. I'm not too high on Carson Wentz as, as you are, I guess. And the receivers and the running backs – the running backs are good, but the receiver-wise, I, I, there's question marks there, too. I don't think there's as much talent there. I think that... Um, yeah, I agree with Lyon. I think Carson Wentz has upside. I think Carson Wentz this year has the best wide receiver core he's ever had. Um, and I don't expect Alshon Jeffrey to play. Uh, I think he's going to start the season injured, and that's fine. Alshon Jeffrey really hasn't done a lot for this team other than he's been a good red zone option, and he does get touchdowns. Doesn't get a lot of productivity, but he gets touchdowns. Um, That having been said, I do think uh, last year he played one game with Deshaun Jackson, and Deshaun Jackson in week one had 152 yards and two touchdowns. And Deshaun Jackson still has that ability. And if he stays healthy, even not for the full season, but throughout the season, if he can play for this team, he's an option. They drafted Jalen Rager in the first round, who's a real talent. You have Zach Ertz, and you have Dallas Goddard, who's going to eat into that. But Dallas Goddard is a really good receiving wide receiver. And in 12-man sets, they can do a lot of damage. Miles Sanders can catch. So now you have all these options. My concern is offensive line, because now they have, um, I think Brooks just went out for the season. There, I can't remember who was the right tackle, um, but that's not good. But outside of that, um, I think there's a lot of talent around him. And if, lest we forget that just a couple of years ago, he was not in the conversation, he was widely regarded the front runner for the MVP of the NFL. And that wasn't that long ago. I think uh, Jalen Rager is probably the best person that you could draft uh, in terms of receivers. Uh, and he's a rookie. 
So, I mean, I don't know. I don't – like Alshon Jeffrey, like you were saying, he might not even play at the beginning of the season, uh, and you don't know at what point or even throughout the season he's able to play at that level. But I think the fact that uh, this rookie – I he, he's probably – Gonna have a, he's gonna have good games, and because of the lack of receivers around him, there's a lot of production for him there as well. And I do agree, with Miles Sanders, and uh, a lot of these different running backs they have, running back by committee at this point. Uh, although Miles Sanders is gonna be the number one, he he does have the talent in terms of running backs and receivers. That's where the question mark is, and tight ends obviously really solid. Um, with both, I mean, with this elite tight end, and then with Dallas who's also going to be somewhere in the middle um, but with, within the tight end group. Uh, so the tight ends possess the most most value that for that team and then the running backs. But the receivers is where I feel that's where uh, Carson Wentz's value drops off. Juan, what players would you draft from this team and what players would you not? So I heavily agree with Lionel on this one. Um, I think that that receiving core isn't good enough to increase – uh, Carson Wentz's value. And he already has value without that, but I just think that the risk injury is not worth the reward. Like, two years ago, we thought he was going to be amazing. Uh, he had come off, like, a really great season before he got injured, and we just haven't seen that level of production yet, but we're still seeing him, you know, possibly being injury-prone. Um, so I would think that, you know, uh, if you want to invest in a tight end, then Zach Ertz is definitely someone that you can probably get at a decent value because he's going to go after Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, he, he'll probably be there in the third, maybe the fourth if you're lucky. Um, Dallas or Goddard is probably like a good, good value pick as well. I think like, I think that might be worth it. But besides that, I kind of wouldn't really invest heavily in anyone else. I think that uh, Deshaun Jackson, I just, he's getting up there in age, man. I don't know that he can reproduce the same level again. His last game in the NFL, I told you his stat line, 152 and two touchdowns. He still has the speed to burn people over the top. He does. I mean, you also gave the first game and look at TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I mean, one really great game, a couple of really great games. Isn't going to be enough to produce throughout the season. TJ Hawkinson does not have Deshaun Jackson's career. You can't compare those two players remotely. TJ Hawkinson yeah, is a rookie. Towards the end of it. He is towards the end of I it, know. but he's I, still, I don't even want to make that comparison. I'm even saying, the, like, even the year, even before last year, he put up numbers with the Buccaneers. So I'm going to tell you the really what it comes down to for me and why I believe in Carson Wentz this year. Last year, all of his receiving options got injured. Everybody. He had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and Greg Ward. Greg Ward, before he was on the Eagles last year, was playing in the – AFL or whatever the hell it was. What was it? The American Alliance Football Alliance American Alliance American Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. <laughs> we can't get it yet. <laughs> That's how bad it was, okay? That was his number one wide receiver last year. Last year he fought, he played 16 games. He had 607 attempts. That's a lot of opportunity that's going to be playing 16 games. Uh, if he has a full season right now, he's going in the 12th round on average. In our draft, he'll probably be clo going closer to like the eighth round. I don't know if I'm going to get him again, but I do think he's a value. 600 attempts. Last year, he had over 4,000 yards uh, and he had 27 touchdowns. 
the year that he was uh, right. in the front running for the MVP, he had 13 games. That year, he had 33 touchdowns in 13 games. This guy has serious upside. Well, so. let, me, let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Lionel. Uh, so let's say he's, he's not there in the eighth, or he's still there in the eighth, right? The eighth round passes. You're like, okay, I wasn't going to get him there anyway. Um, hypo, like ninth round, you know, Rita's right after you or something. Like at what point do you say, screw it? I'll, I'll overpay a little bit or 10th round or where, where is that marker for you? Um, it, de- I, I gotta say, it depends on the options around. Cause if I'm in the 10th round and if I haven't taken a tight end yet, and maybe someone I like is still on the board, I'd rather take a tight end over him. Because I'm gonna, there's gonna be other quarterback options. Um, if I'm there and maybe I don't have wide receiver depth like I like, I'd rather take one of those shots. Now, if I'm there and I don't like what I see, and maybe some of the players that I'm targeting are still a little bit ways, uh, a little ways further, um, I could see myself taking him maybe in the maybe in the ninth or 10th round if I don't like what I see around him. Because I do think that he has that upside. Uh, he's proven it. He's also, he rushes. Um, I, I do think that he, he offers real upside. I do. And he's not. I just want to ask. 10th round's not that expensive. You were saying, Lionel? Quick question for both of you. Uh, so both projected around the same time. Would you rather have Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz? Right now, Carson Wentz Stafford. is going. Carson, I would take Carson Wentz over between those two. At the same value, I would take Carson Wentz. That having been said, I do think it's very close. The only reason, if you're concerned about injury, recently Stafford has shown a tendency to get injured over the last couple of seasons. So you have very similar questions, but Stafford doesn't throw. And Stafford is on a way worse team. A way worse team. But better receiving options, I think. Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones is better receiving options, um, and Matthew Stafford is going to put up stats. He's going to, but between the two, I think I'd I, rather take Carson Wentz. I like them as a always coming from behind team. Fourth quarter, you know he's just going to start throwing the ball. They're going to eliminate the run game, and he's just going to he's going to get you ten points alone, like in his last two drives in the fourth. Matthew Stafford is the garbage man. He is the garbage man. <laughs> <laughs> the garbage speaking, man. Of, speaking of garbage, you got the Redskins? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I actually really wanted to do the Redskins because I knew everyone was just going to hate them. And I don't hate them. Yes, they are garbage. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, but there is – well, really, there's one player that has finally gotten me excited about the Redskins – I haven't been as excited about any other players in I can't ever remember where like even a time in my life. Uh but I love Terry McLaurin. I think um I think he's amazing. I think he's a great w- rookie wide receiver last year. He really broke out. Watching him play was really unique cuz you don't see a wide receiver come into an offense and just blow up from his first game on. Um the way that he did in his rookie year and with different quarterback play, you know, he played with case Keenum. He played with Colt McCoy. He played with uh, Dwayne Haskins and had productivity with all three of them. And, you know, every now and again, you have these players that 
you look back and you say, oh, Antonio Brown was drafted in the fifth round or, um, you know, different players. Devontae Adams was drafted in the, in the second or third round um, that maybe weren't top tier or like crazy talents coming out of the draft, but something happens on the pro level and it just clicks. And there's a real potential that Terry McLaurin is that player. And there's a real potential that he takes a step forward, just like Chris Godwin did last year. I'm not saying he's going to put up those numbers, but you know, something like that, or maybe like what Devontae Parker did last year, where you take a step from this solid position to a really great position right now, he is going, um, Terry McLaurin's going around the fifth or sixth round. Uh, I would take him there. And, I, I, you know, right there, you're taking him roughly as your third wide receiver, maybe second. I, he is a start-worthy player uh, with more potential than just being your third-best wide receiver. I like so that a receiver. a lot. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna derail us for a second. But do you guys have any like funny sports memorabilia? Because I have a good one, and it's related to what we were just talking about. Well, I've got I, me, I've just got a couple jerseys. Oh no, I have a Tim uh, Duncan rookie card. Oh. I have a Tim Duncan rookie card. That's true. Oh, that's actually really cool. That's, yeah, kind of I, funny. that's I, cool. I still I have it. I have it. I have it in a case. I got it for my for my tenth that's birthday. The, I still have it in a case. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, so I have – oh, go ahead, Lionel. Go ahead. I, me and Renee were talking last week about, like, WWE and, like, whether it's a spoiler. I have a <laughs> – I have a The Rock jabroni, like, license plate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm hoping I can beat that because the reason I asked was you mentioned him really quickly and I remembered – that I have an autographed Colt McCoy football back when we all thought he was going to be like an, a superstar. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's like, that's like when you go up to like the band that everyone knows at high school, wink, wink. And then you're like, can I get your autograph? And just you're like hoping like, maybe it's probably not going to happen, but maybe, but it never happens. Um <laughs> Yeah, I met him. I met him at this event, and then I got assigned football. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, it has value in Austin. Certainly does. Yeah, that's true. Certainly does. That's true. Uh, outside, so outside of Terry McLaurin, I really don't have an interest in anybody else in this team. Um, <laughs> this their running back room is too crowded. Uh, Darius Geis has had too many injuries. Uh, too many. Just it's just so questionable. You never know when he's gonna be able to play. They drafted like another <laughs> running back this year. They drafted another one last year. Um, Peyton Barber got traded to them. It's like Jesus. Like who the hell are you gonna be playing with? Uh, I just I don't like any other options. I think okay, another player that I think could be a really and this is a deep deep sleeper. And I'm gonna see if you guys even know who he is. Steven Sims. Two M's or one? To be honest. (laughs) You know two Steven Sims or what? (laughs) No, no, two two M's or one? Like Sims with a double M or just not one M? It's a singular M, but it's it's pluralized by the S following the M. Okay. Okay, Sims. Um, Anyway, no, he he was their slot wide receiver last year, and um, he was a rookie. 
He was drafted after Terry McLaurin. He filled in because of injuries. He was a really solid route runner. Uh, he's going to be probably the starting slot wide receiver for this team next year. And if, and it's a big if, because I don't believe in the talent, but if Dwayne Haskins takes a step forward, that could be a real option for him. One of the good games, and the, what I liked is that he played well in, in matchups. He struggled against top-tier cornerbacks. But in certain matchups, matchups that were very easily predictable, against typical teams, the Giants that were a horrible um, wide receiver defense team last mm -hmm. year. He had great performances. I played him in a couple of DFS leagues. As a matter of fact, when I won uh, the big tournament that I won last year, he was one of the value picks that I had on my team where he was basically free. But I got him on my team, and he had uh, like a 24-point performance that week. Um, so I think he could be a really wow. deep sleeper. He's not even going to be drafted. No one's drafting Steven Sims. Just keep an eye on the waivers. Keep an eye on him. But I think, I think, he's a, I think he could be a real value on this team. Outside of that, this team is hot garbage. Uh, but there, there will be more value <laughs> on this team. What, one last thing on this, on this um, division, because we were talking about how crappy a lot of these defenses are. You got to love teams in fantasy football with shitty defenses and talented offensive players because when teams yep. have to come from behind there's more opportunity to go around um if you have quarterbacks like daniel jones like carson wentz <laughs> willing to chuck it down the field uh players like terry mclaurin who's going to play to the very last second of the game you know there's value to be had there so i'm excited for a lot of these players i think there's a lot of value to be had in this division but there's also um, a lot of risk, a lot of risk in this division. Who wins the division? We them boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. The Cowboys. Yeah, I have to agree. Actually, I hate to say it. Yo, I fucking hate the NFL. I, I, I don't know. I, I said to you guys, the NFL Snapchat shit. The, like fucking projected, fucking projected twelve and four, and oh, then the Eagles oh, oh, eleven, yeah. yeah, eleven and five. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That's ridiculous. I do, however, think that the Eagles are going to win this division. I think the Cowboys okay. are going to lose this division. I do think the Eagles are going to win this division. Uh, and again, this is this is based off of this. <coughs> so no one fucking come at me if it doesn't happen. <laughs> It's 100%. If both of those teams are not decimated by injury, I understand a few injuries are going to happen, but not decimated. Like last year, the Eagles were decimated by injury. Almost their entire offensive line and all their top-tier wide receiver options were gone. This entire team was on Carson Wentz back, and they still won the division, and they still went to the playoffs. So um, I, I think that there's a real potential, uh, barring injury, that the Eagles are going to be serious contenders in the NFC next year. I can see that. Definitely. That's my hot take of anything for this, for this. Uh... Oh, and one last thing, Miles Sanders. I fucking love him. I want him. Um, I would, I want him in the second round. I don't want him in the first. I want him in the second round. I, I think he's a great running back talent. So, um, 
I guess try to convince me on that, right? Because I he had some good moments uh, last year, but I see him going in the second, right? I did a couple mock drafts, and he was consistently taken in the second. And I was just like, man, like maybe I'm just playing the name game, but I don't think that I'm willing to take him in the second. Like if he's there in the third, I'll do it for sure, but not in the second. There's there's a few things. I mean, for starters. He proved last year that he is a three-down back. And I get that Doug Peterson hasn't used that in the past. But they did something different this year. And uh, he's come out and openly confirmed this much. Every year up until this year, they've had their guy there. And then they've brought in somebody else. Not just rookies, but veterans as well. They've had Jay Ajayi there. They've had LeGarrette Blunt there. They've had... um, you know, there was a lot of rumor of uh, of them trying to sign Carlos Hyde or maybe going for Devontae Freeman or one of them. Doug Peterson came out and said, we're not going to go for any veterans. We like the backs that we have. The only other back that they have right now is really a scat back. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's basically a Darren Sproles type. And he's going to be used in very gadget type situations. So Miles Sanders has a real potential next year to really get the workload of this team. Now, because he has that potential, if you look at what he did last year, he averaged 4.6 yards per attempt, um, and he had 63 targets. That was as he was barely growing into this role. Both of those things are going to grow this year. Um, So considering that, I I think he has a real potential to uh, break out this season. Um, There's not a lot of running backs that, this early on in this career in their career exhibit that kind of talent and um, opportunity combination. So it is, it is risky because of Doug Peterson, but I do think that the upside to me, seriously, if he were, if, if that offense plays well enough, if they can run the ball and he's the passing down back, uh, he could finish top five overall. He could, it's within his range of outcomes. He was the 11th right. best ranked in terms of rushing and the 7th best ranked in terms of receiving but for rookies the over the last 10 years. And here's the thing is last year, for the first half of the year, until Jordan Howard got injured, he was not the main guy. He was getting very little productivity. Yeah. He didn't really start playing until pretty far into the season. And, and maybe that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm... I'm equating low opportunity with like low productivity. Maybe that's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, I, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of productivity last year. Um, Overall on the whole season, he got 179 attempts. That's less than Eckler got. That's less than, you know, like uh, that's less than a lot of players got. That's not a whole lot, but that's also not running back one numbers. If he gets bumped up. So if he were hypothetically to get bumped up, Let's just say 230, and that's a reasonable bump up. 230 is reasonable. That's 50 more carries as the number one guy. Howard's not there. Full season is the number one guy. At 4.6 yards, I mean, at this point, he would be eclipsing 1,200 yards. He'd be projected for at least six touchdowns on the ground. He'd still have more targets, and last year that would put him at maybe another four to five touchdowns through the air and maybe another six to 700 uh, yards on um, in receiving. And that's just on the pace of what he did last year. 
with 179 attempts and 63 targets. Uh, if all those things go right, he could be a top five back. He could finish. He, he has with those numbers with that potential to finish top five. So uh, in the second round, he could prove to be a real value. But also, worst case scenario, again, barring injury, which he hasn't shown a history for injury. Um, worst case scenario, I don't think he's worse than a third round value. So you're not really losing a lot in the second round. Worst case, you have someone that you should have drafted in the third round. Okay, you got them around early. They still are solid for your team. So you're not losing a lot with them there at the second round. It's not like an extreme overpay. Of the first round, and I've seen him taken in the first round, extreme overpay. That's too high risk. In the second round, I'll take him all day, especially late second. All right, so <laughs> why don't we move on to another segment? Yeah, I'm kind of tired of this division. Fuck this division. Oh, uh, fuck this yeah, division. Yeah, fuck this division. <laughs> 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 I was just going to say, I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's, let's move on to uh, – Well, actually, I want to circle – back to the Giants. Um, okay. Fine. Boston Scott? <laughs> Boston Scott is not with no. the Lions. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know he's with the Oh, no, he's, he's with the, the Eagles. I'm just kidding. He's with the Eagles? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. knows anything anymore. Just, he's uh, running back, too. I'm just joking, dude. No. So, 100%. Uh, I've, been <laughs> I've been wondering a lot of things. You know, I've had a lot of... Uh, Wandering thoughts in my mind, and and I just can't seem to satiate the needs for for all these wanders that I have, just wandering about in my mind. Well, I hope I can cure at least one of those for you. <laughs> well, well, can you? Can, what's your what's your cure, Doctor? Uh, wonderful, wonderful Juan. I'm, I don't have anything else. I can't come up with any more pun names for one. Have you ever wondered? It's all right, dude. We've all been there. Everyone's <laughs> been there. Don't worry. My whole life, someone runs out. Okay. So I think this is a good one. I hope I, hope I keep bringing it because I was thinking this is this team and, uh, we, we kind of brought it up a little bit here and there with uh, this division, but I, I, I've kind of been thinking about teams that either plan around their quarterback or, or plan around their weapons. So, you know, you take a look at the Broncos, which we've already talked about that division, how the, the Broncos have invested heavily in Drew Locke, not in the sense that, like, they think he's going to be a top-five quarterback, but that he's going to be decent enough that if you give him really good weapons, he's going to do well. And then there's other teams, right, where you have such a great quarterback that you can put whatever receivers in, like you want. Like you can put a shopping cart with a broom on top and it's going to go for 800 yards Wilson. because you have that good of a quarterback. So yeah, Russell Wilson. I guess my question. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can put whatever and those receivers are going to go off. So I guess I'm wondering in terms of fantasy, what, what do you what do you look for, right? Because obviously you always want Russell Wilson, right? But would you rather? Are you? I I'm wondering. Do you look to invest in a quarterback that's going to be made better because of the weapons around him, or do you look to in invest in valuable weapons made better because of a good quarterback? Well, Lionel, why don't you take this one first? And, and this is 
I have, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I, before, so before you answer, Lionel, I guess I ask, and the reason I think this is good is because you were mentioning Daniel Jones, right? Not necessarily that he has the greatest weapons in the league, but this idea that like a middling quarterback can all of a sudden bring you a lot of value with not that, with very little expense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I look at more of the weapons around them, but there are a quarter, couple of quarterbacks that, um, but from fantasy's perspective, I don't really, I don't really care if the quarterbacks do pretty good with only one receiver. I want them to have multiple wide receivers and those are the quarterbacks I want to look at first. So Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are the first two quarterbacks that come to mind as to those that don't have a lot of weapons around them. Well, Russell but Wilson are, does now. Okay. He does now. He has time. He does now with Metcalf. 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 I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's but, a great trio. But, but my point is, they don't need duo, that duo. kind of. They don't need that. And I guess even looking at the opposite way, looking at Deshaun Watson this year, uh, he doesn't have that's options anymore, example. but he has yeah. a lot of speed receivers now. Yeah. And so I, I, I see Watson is ha- going to have a better year of, um, in terms of and the receivers as well at that point are going to have a lot more production with uh, with Watson there. I don't know. That one's kind of mixed. I feel like it's a mixture of both. But uh, quarterback-wise, I'd rather have them have better weapons either way, for sure. I mean, obviously. And I those think, are the quarterbacks I'd look to most, like Dak Prescott. I think it depends, man. I think that when there's, there's certain things that I look for in a quarterback, ideally you want someone that's a dual threat, right? Because if they are in that kind of a situation where you can't really predict a lot of their team situation, if they can run, at least they pad their floor, right? So that's, that's the idea behind that. But it's not always the case. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about some of these players like uh, Russell Wilson, who perennially, like we've said, hasn't been given all the greatest talent. This year he does. Right? You know, he hasn't been given that. Uh, Rodgers, all he has is uh, he has Devontae, and that's it. Um, Deshaun Watson is the perfect example where he has nothing but number two and number three wide receivers. And he's a real talent at the position. Um, There's just the thing about team situation last year, that was Russell Wilson's situation. It was like, just make it work. I had Russell Wilson, right? He finished as the number four quarterback overall. And it was shit. He had like three or four weeks where he won me the week. And then the rest of the season, he was putting up hot garbage. It was horrible. That inconsistency was not worth it. And the thing is, when you have teams that make bad decisions like that, where they're not giving their players what they need to succeed, they're going to make questionable decisions on other places. Here we have a coaching staff that really wants to run the ball first when they have arguably the most talented and most clutch player in the NFL, period. What happens to Russell Wilson if you put Russell Wilson on the Chiefs? What happens to Russell Wilson? He'd already have like three Super Bowls. He would. He is the most clutch player in the NFL. You know, um, I love Coach Pete. I love Coach Pete. You see him chewing his gum on the side, you know, you know the dude, you know he likes to get down. You know, there's always been the rumors of him doing speed all day long. And you know that's why he's chewing his gum. He's just right on the sideline, just snorting some cocaine behind, you know, some of the cheerleaders. Matter of fact, they might even have it right on top of their asses. But Coach Pete loves to run the ball. 
And teams that make decisions that don't cater to their players is another thing that I consider. And another reason why I wouldn't take a high risk pick on those players. I would, I would rather take um, someone that I know is going to get passing productivity. I look a lot at attempts. That's something that I look at when, when I look at uh, players. Players like we were bringing up, Matt, Matthew Stafford, who, yeah, he's probably not going to run a lot, but he's going to get somewhere between 550 to 600 attempts, right, on a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot. So that offers value. That offers consistency. Um, I want that. I want a higher passing volume offense, a team that's coming from behind uh, with someone who is – proven to, to have potential in the NFL or has proven to have talent in the NFL. Uh, I just want to add one thing. I know Renee even had an algorithm last year with uh, pace of play and time of production. And so, I mean, that was what I feel he used last year as his major motivators of how to, how, how to pick players. That, that was the, that was the very, that's where my, the algorithm that I came up with began. It was with pace of play. It eventually evolved into a lot of other things. But what I discovered, like, mm-hmm. researching pace of play is that by ranking teams as far as pace of play and seeing the matchups, teams that have a faster pace of play are going to render more plays in a given game, which means that there's going to be more opportunity in that matchup for players to blow up. Once you zone in on those games, then you can really start to see where the mismatches are, what the team identities are, where the game could eventually go. But those teams that have a higher pace of play, um, teams like last year, the Buccaneers had one of the highest paces of play. Jameis Winston was a value in the draft. As a matter of fact, there was points in our season where you could pick him up off the waivers. And he was one of the better quarterback options throughout the entire season. Ryan Tannehill, another faster pace offense. They did a lot of, uh, yeah, he was. He performed towards the end of the season. Because they were higher paced and because their running game was so efficient, when your running game is efficient, your passing game is efficient because they don't think you're going to pass. And he, he was found on the waivers. You know, uh, it's these higher pace of play yeah. offenses that render more opportunity. I'd rather go for one of those quarterbacks um, than and instead of looking at weapons. Weapons are nice, but weapons are the icing on the cake. What you want is you want the foundation to be there. I, I, I kind of agree. Um, I think that the, the the only way to look at the other side would be kind of if you know going into it that your strategy is not focusing on a position like a quarterback um, and you're, you're willing to take a quarterback in like the last three rounds or two last two rounds. At that point, then you look at quarterbacks that you know will be available that are only going to be boosted by their weapons that otherwise might not be, you know, necessarily valuable. Well, let's talk about a couple of those quarterbacks. So um, the quarterbacks that have a lot of talent around them, but maybe aren't so appealing. Why don't we start with, I think one of the better examples might be Jared Goff, who has great wide receivers, solid tight ends, um, and, you know, has had Todd Gurley and everything. And he has still underwhelmed regardless of the talent that he's had around him because he's more personally affected by O-line and shit like that, and there's holes on the, on the offense in that sense. Uh, a quarterback, maybe you could argue Baker Mayfield last year had OBJ and Jarvis Landry and David Njoku there and Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, now he gets uh, 
what's his name? The the tight end from um, the Falcons, Austin Hooper. Uh, and he has potential, right? So he's, yeah. he could be a value, but there's also risk with that. Um, you know, I would be less inclined to take on one of those players than to take on, on somebody else. Um, Carson, I would rather take an earlier pick on Carson Wentz. I would rather take Matthew Stafford. I would rather take so many quarterbacks over them. I would rather take Ryan Tannehill. I would rather take, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I just don't want, I would rather take fucking Kirk Cousins than either one of those guys. I would. And I don't want Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, I'm not really interested in that. I'm, talent is not the only thing that I look at. Now, when you talk about a player like Drew Locke, granted, I'm a little biased. My view changes very rapidly. And the reason being is that we've only seen very little of Drew Locke. So there's still potential. We've seen a larger sample space of Jared Goff. We've seen a larger sample space of Baker Mayfield. We have a pretty solid idea of what they are up until this point of their career. With Drew Locke, we've seen five games. He went four and one, seven touchdowns, killed it. Put up great performances, showed a lot of real potential. And now you have a team that, like you said, has put off, like offensive talent everywhere around them. So there's, there's, um, that is another example, like a Daniel Jones, someone who I would take very late in the draft, um, if, if you don't beat me to him, Juan. And someone who very well, you know, if, like, let's say you have an injury in week one, mm-hmm. you got to drop somebody and maybe pick up somebody else. Who are you going to drop if you have Drew Luck and he didn't pin out in week one? I've had my fix of football today. I want okay. to think nothing more of the subject. Yeah, fuck, fuck, uh, fuck not straight edge. Straight <laughs> edge is good. That's good, Lionel. I'm, ha- I'm happy that you finally, you know, you went down a really dark path for a while there. I mean, I won't get into the specifics. I know that this is, this podcast, podcast does go on public domain. And uh, I don't want to put uh, Mr. BDJ um, in, 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 in the limelight there for, for his uh, past. You know, I don't want to put him under conjecture, but, uh, you know, he did get that nickname for a reason. And uh, Mr. BDJ did have uh, quite a bit of history with um, BDSM and MDMA, among other things. Um, but that, that passes behind you now. I know that, uh, you no longer are a brony. Uh, you no longer go to furry conventions. So I'm, I'm proud that you've moved on from that, Lionel. Yeah. It just took me, uh, took me a few shots and a couple drinks, but I'm good. Slander you like this. (laughs) I mean, Dude, Part this podcast is fifty percent you, and you just take. <laughs> and you know what's funny is like, okay, outside of the podcast, Lionel gets pretty savage with me. I've heard say, I've heard Lionel say some pretty appalling shit, and honestly, it can be pretty impressive. But he holds back on this podcast. I keep trying to poke I the bear, but it doesn't come out. I, uh... I can confirm. I think it's because he knows. <laughs> You won't be able to upload once he retaliates. <laughs> <laughs> I get final say, just like the just like the Jordan documentary, baby. I am Jordan. I get the final I say. Think, I do think the Rockets will win the championship. Uh, so back <laughs> no, in the don't. back back in the ninety four ninety five. Do not think that. 
back in the 94 and 95 season, there was this, not necessarily an asterisk like it would be considered this year, but there was this, what people would consider not as legitimate as a championship for the Rockets because Michael Jordan was out those two years. But this year is also another year in which that legitimacy can be questioned. And that's why I think the Rockets will win this year. Yeah. Just like last no, year. No, I don't think that. Yes, I do. Clipper, Clippers have the best chance, but Rockets, solid. Uh, the, Rockets biggest issue, the Rockets' biggest issue over the last couple of years, the Rockets' biggest issue over the last few years was that James Harden tended to get tired towards the playoffs. And this year, they actually have that rest now, so James Harden is going to be a top peak so does, performance. So does everyone else in the league, Lionel. So does LeBron. That's why the Clippers. That's why the Clippers have the best chance. But I do think the Rockets are pretty fucking legit. It's not just Dude, that. It's that at the end of the day, James Harden is still going to play 45 minutes. And no matter what, on the 45th minute, when he has to put up a deep three because there's nothing else that the defense is giving him, it's still going to be like way off because he's still going to be tired. <laughs> no. All right, not. sign us off, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining the Fantasy Foreplay Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Card Booker. With Mr. Juan and Emilian and BDJ, we are out of here. Have a good one.